This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you and guides you and builds your faith. God bless and enjoy this message. And we hope that you're joining us from wherever you're at. Make sure that you have some... um, some time reserved to listen to the word of the Lord today and to participate in worship. Like Jew said earlier, Pastor Chris is doing much better, no more fever. Um, the temperature is back down to where it should be, uh, no more headache. And so we give God thanks for that. We're asking for a miracle. We know the specified timeline, but we're saying, Lord, give us a miracle because we're a people who believe in the supernatural. And so, Lord, thank you. So he's, he's doing well. Other than a sore throat, he's doing well. Uh, just a reminder also that this Wednesday we will not be having service because it's a, a spring break. Typically, we don't have a service on Wednesday, the Wednesday of spring break. So we won't be having that this week. So, we, so we'll be here next week, Sunday, in person. Today, I want to address you from the Holy Scriptures. See... I believe I have a word from the Lord. And so I want to address us on that. But before I do, I want to give you uh, some, I was online checking and I realized, I saw this, uh, it says something, it says, um, the Barner Group addressing, addressing the, uh, a national seminar of Southern Baptist leaders, George Barner was doing this of Gallup. He says, we find that a very little difference between the ethical behavior between churchgoers and those who are not active religiously. So I read on, it says, the levels of lying, cheating, and stealing are remarkably similar to both groups. Eight out of ten Americans consider themselves to be Christians, Gallup said. Yet only about half of them could identify the person who gave the Sermon on the Mount. And fewer still could recall five of the Ten Commandments. Only two of the ten said they would be willing to suffer for Jesus. You see, we are living in a season when it's sometimes difficult to distinguish between the church and the world. There are many who claim to follow Christ but are captivated by worldly lifestyle. You are probably thinking, I don't swear, I don't cheat, I don't steal or or own a mansion on a hill. In fact, I attend church, I give my tithes, I serve and I love the preaching of the word of God. So I'm not worldly. But friends... That is not what determines worldliness. This morning, erase what you ever thought about worldliness and allow God's word to rewrite the definition for you as we look at the words in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. Turn in your Bibles and let's read from wherever you're at. It says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world... Love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, what is in the world? It says the lust of the flesh, 
the lust of the eye, the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. I want to address you on the topic, worldliness, the believer's demise. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we don't have to add anything to your word for it to be potent. Your word is powerful all by itself. You said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And today the word is God. So I pray that your word will go across these airwaves, Lord. And God, wherever people are gathered listening to your word today, that it will prick our heart and provoke us to transformation. For those who are walking right and in line with your holy scriptures, we pray in the name of Jesus that they will continue to press on, that they'll not give in to complacency. And for those, Father, who have been lagging behind, Father, that God, you will prod us, Father, that we will wake up. And desire to walk in line with your scriptures. I pray, Father, that you'll anoint me to speak. This is not just some regular word. This is the word of the Lord. So minister to us today. I pray also, Lord God, for a pastor. That you'll heal his body completely. And God, today, for anybody else who is sick from our congregation, that you'll intervene. And for those who are troubled and overwhelmed, and uh, God, and those who are concerned about many things, and those, Father, who are, who, are, who, are, who are struggling today for in some way or form, Lord Jesus, we pray today that you will go before, Lord, and minister in the name of Jesus. We pray. Amen. So... This passage is very significant. As a matter of fact, one of, my one of my most favorite books in the Bible is the book of 1 John. I like the book of 1 John because it helps to clarify where we stand with God in our salvation. If you were to look at the book of John and try, 1 John and try to wonder what the theme is or what it's trying to address or what's the purpose behind it, I believe it, it's designed to give Christians true biblical assurance of salvation. Are you saved? Are you walking line with the Lord? One of my favorite verses, if you say that you are, you are in the Lord, you're following the Lord, and you don't walk in his ways, then you are lying. Today, John wants to speak to us. And I want to speak to you today on the topic of worldliness, the believer's demise. In light of the Gallup research and what was said, we may be saying, hey, that's not, that's not customary of my church. That's not my church. It's some other church. But God, I have traveled the world. I've seen, I've heard, I've, I've, I've interacted with many people. And I can tell you that the average that they mention, it's, it's very similar in just about any church. However spiritual you may think you are as a church. And the direction that America is going in and direction the world is going in. Today I dare tell us, I, I, I want to encourage us to rise up and wake up because the church is under a, a, a immense attack. And so because of that, <laughs> we're, 
Worldliness has no place in the life of a believer. These verses that I read earlier contain one main commandment and three truths I realize. The commandment is do not love the world. Actually, it's not a suggestion. God was not making a suggestion. He was saying do not love the world. The first truth I see is that we, if we love the world, you don't love God. It can't be both. I've heard people talking about I have two lovers. It doesn't work with God. It's God or not at all. The second truth is, if you love the world, you will perish with the world. It's like gravity. If you go up, you must come down. It's the same thing here. You, if you love the world, you're bound to perish. And the third truth is, if you love God instead of the world, you will live with God forever. Hey, we try to complicate the, doc, uh, com complicate the, the gospel. It's, it's not complicated. It's very simple. In verse 15, that we read, in verse 15, the apostle says, Do not love the world, nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Here is the command, do not love the world. There is a love that God hates. There is a love that God hates. The world is never, is, is never to receive the kind of attention that is due to God. You see, a Christian who loves the world is either really interested in the things of the world or is not interested in the things of God. It's clear cut. You know, worship, Bible study, prayer, service, outreach, they're boring to them. When you teach children, it's easy to know if, your ch if the children is not interested in your lesson. They will yawn. They look disinterested. But the problem we have is that when we teach grown-up, grown people, adults, we don't know if they're interested or not sometimes. Because they've learned how to nod along. Yes, pastor. Good word. It's hard. To not love the world means that God gets more time, energy. He gets your focus. He gets your excitement. He gets your happiness. The primary object of your love would be God himself. But don't misunderstand what I'm saying. When John says that we are not to love the world, he's not talking about the people. God is not telling you not to love the unsaved. He's not commanding you not to love the fallen. Uh, he's commanding you not to love the fallen system of the world that leaves God out and is under the influence of Satan. The world John is talking about is the one referred to in 1 John 5 verse 19 that says, We know that we are the children of God and that the world is under the control of the evil one. Don't kid yourself. When the devil took Jesus up on the mountaintop, on the pinnacle, and he said to him, I'll give all of this to you. He wasn't joking. Because he's been allowed to rule and reign down here. See, there are many so-called Christians who do, who do not look worldly. 
since they keep all the external do's and don'ts. They know how to speak the Christianese and play the appearance game, but their heart craves lust for, envies, and longs for the things of the world. Therefore, they're worldly. I don't mind having a lot. I don't mind having riches. But does it take God's place? I don't mind having kids. But what if I put my kids before God? I don't mind having a family. I don't mind having the best job. But where, where does it stand when it comes to God? See? Even an attitude that loves the world is against God. John goes on to say, If anyone loves the world as a continual pattern of their life, they are not saved. For the love for the Father is not in them. The Bible says it's utterly impossible to love God at the same time loves the world. Jesus taught us the same truth when he said in Matthew 6 verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. James affirmed this truth when he says in James 4 verse 4, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world has made themselves an enemy of God. But, but why can't you love both God and the world? I think verse 16 and 17 of our key passage tells us. It says, even though God created the world, it is fallen, rebellious, and ruled by Satan. Look, verse 16 says, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. All that is in the world is the lust of the flesh. <laughs> it's our emotional desires. And sometimes we try to reason away. Oh, it's okay. God gave it to me. It's okay. No, 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 no. We have control. Through the spirit we can have control over our bodies, over our emotions. Or maybe the lust of the eye, the earthly longings. Or the pride of life, the cravings for praise and the cravings for what you don't have. All are part of the fallen world system. It's not from God. All our emotion, emotional desires that are independent of God are all earthly longings for the things of exp or experiences. And all are seeking for recognition of self-fulfillment apart from God. There are two kinds of people. Church, there are two kinds of people. <laughs> those that love the world and those who love God. But is that really true? Don't Christians all love God and love the world? Can't Christians love God and love the world? 
verse 17 tells us, the world and its desires passes away, but whoever does the will of the Father lives forever. John is saying that judgment is coming. We don't hear much about judgment these days. It's almost like I'm living in the here and the now. Only thing that matters is today. Eat, drink, and be merry. <laughs> Judgment is very unpopular and a very unpopular topic and such subject today. But God affirms there will be a judgment day, a day we will have to answer for how we lived our lives. For the Christian, it's a judgment of reward, following, followed by eternal life in heaven. For the non-Christian, a judgment of punishment, followed by eternal torment in hell. So the world I'm talking about is not the people. The world John is talking about, it's the structures, it's the principles, it's the value system of the world. And some of us, we crave after those things. I just want to get rich at all costs. I just want to please myself at all costs. But here's where I get into the crooks of my message. What is John trying to tell us? about worldliness what message is he trying to communicate to us we understand the meaning now we understand where he's coming from but what message is he trying to come across to communicate to us first i believe he's saying that worldliness is a progression now this is an exciting message to me because i'm preaching to myself too because Paul said, I don't want to, after I've preached and saved so many people, I become an outcast. I don't want to be left behind. Real Christians are in the world, but not of the world. We interact with the world, but we are not to be submerged in the world. When a boat is in the water, there is no problem. But when there is water in the boat... There is a problem. Think about that. Okay? We're in the world, but not of the world. Like a boat sailing on the ocean perfectly well. But water sailing in the boat, there's a problem. It is good for a Christian to be in the world as a witness, but it's not good for the world to be in the Christian. And the influence of the world in the life of a Christian usually begins with a slow leak, a subtle progression. Many years ago, I taught of, uh, when I was a much, when I was probably in my teens, I taught some young people about what sin does. And sin, it's a progression. You step in. Because you've always been taught that you're going to be stuck if you put your foot in sin. That's what I was taught as a child. It's going to grab you. And it didn't grab me. So you know what? I keep testing it. And before long, I stand a little bit longer. And then after that, I step in. And I become complacent and comfortable. 
It's a progression. Slow leak. Just as no Christian suddenly stumbles into immorality, but many little sins lead up to the final major sin, so no Christian is captivated by the world all at once. But many little sins lead up to it. So as if, how can I prevent it? How can I verify if I'm headed down that pathway? I, I can tell you. First, do not become polluted by the world. <laughs> if you want to prevent it. Do not be polluted by the world. James chapter 1 verse 27 says, Religion that God our Father accepts is as pure and faultless as this. To look after the orphans and the widows and their distress. In their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Yes, we can be polluted by the world. Isn't that scary? Because we thought that because we had the Holy Spirit in us, we can't be polluted by the world. And so we go and we do whatever we want to do sometimes and think it's okay. It's not okay for God. So James says, and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. It, it usually goes like this. Things that used to bother you as a young Christian aren't a big deal anymore. Those little white lies. I'm going to go somewhere that some people may not agree with me. What are you skipping church for? Now, I know we're not supposed to be here today. But what things take prominence? What things, things takes priority over you gathering with the saints? <laughs> I remember as a young believer... They couldn't get me out of church. My, my dad was an unbeliever. My mom was an unbeliever at the time. And, and as 14 and a half, and I got saved, and I would be at church every single day of the week. Monday, I was there. Tuesday, I was there. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I was there every single day. And I was still doing well in school. And my dad said to me one day, the, my unbelieving dad said to me, Is it that you, do you have to go to church every night? I didn't know what I was saying to him at the time. But I said, Dad. No, we call him, I call him Daddy. Daddy. Daddy, if I were to, if, if, I don't know, the night I miss, maybe the night God has something for me. I remember that drive I had. But now, I could miss service and sometimes I don't think anything about it. What happened? Huh? As a young believer. And that's why I believe that's why, some, that's why Revelation calls us to get back to our first love. What causes us to drift? What causes us to drift? So things that used to bother you as a young believer aren't a big deal anymore. The lies. We have a lot of grumbling Christians. We grumble about everything. What's going on?
You know, even the world is teaching that grumblers are always in a bad mood. They get it right. You go to these big seminars and they tell you your attitude dictates your altitude. Your attitude dictates how you function around the office. And here in church, sometimes we grumble about everything and expect everything to go well for us. We grumble. We're discontent. We're impatient. We're pessimistic. We're quarreling. Fearful. Lust. We watch whatever we want to watch on TV. Cursings and all. And, all. and it doesn't move us the least anymore. And like, Sam, and like Samson, you say, hey, I could just shift whenever I want to, and the power will come. It doesn't work like that. So you stop guarding against being polluted by the world with those little sins. They become acceptable. So you know what the Bible says? It's the small foxes that destroy the vine. Because the small foxes, they're not big like their moms and their dads. So they could reach whatever they want or they could climb the tree. They can't. So they reach down and they, and they eat at the vines. The roots, that's what they do. And destroy it. That's what little things does to us. So first, do not become polluted by the world. Secondly, it says that do not become conformed to the world. Look at Romans 12 verse 1. It says, do not conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will. It starts subtly. Okay? There's a small leak in your boat. And the ship starts going under. And then before long, you don't move to the same proddings of the spirit anymore. And now what, what, what happens next is that we just fall into the mold of the world. Huh? That's what conformed means. It means that it's a mold that has been designed. The world has a way it wants to trap us. And we fall into that mold. It says do not be smashed into thinking and values of the world. Do not let the world press you into its mold. going to make a point a line and I want you to hear me well a Christian who is conformed to the world is useless to God useless to God <laughs> help us Jesus So it starts with pollution. Then we get conformed to the world. And then we become condemned with the world. That's, what, that's the stage it goes through. Look at 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 11 verse 32. It's, it warns us. It says, we are being disciplined so that we are not finally condemned with the world. You see, the world is going to pass away in judgment and will take all those who love it or is in love with it if you remain conformed to the world as a lifestyle then there is a good chance you're on your way to eternal death slow death 
Now, why am I saying this? Is because we're living in a season where, you know, we've been talking about this in Bible studies for the last couple of weeks, and Pastor Chris has been hitting on it. He's been really hitting on it. That if we, if, if we understand who Christ is, we've called him Lord. Lordship means that you are under his management. You don't move. There is no life unless he moves you. <laughs> That's the reality. So how could I want to run my life, do things my way, and hey, hey guess what, God? I'm ready for you now. That doesn't work. So first, worldliness is a progression. Do not be conformed. Do not be condemned. Do not be polluted. Secondly, I think that John here is telling us something else. He, said, he says, secondly, worldliness is forsaking a person. That's what, that's what we've been talking about in Bible study. It's not, a, it's not just a religion. It's not something I do. It's who I am. I'm serving the person of Jesus Christ. So look what he says in verse 15. John, that John compares the relationship with our personal God to a craving for an impersonal fallen world system. Verse 15, the love of the Father, verse 16, is not from the Father, is not, is not from the Father. Say, the love of the Father, then verse 16 said, is not from the Father. Verse 15 says, the will, verse 17 says, the will of God. See, the love the world is, to love the world is to do two things. Two things. <laughs> to love an impersonal system. And secondly, to turn your back on a personal God. See, the last message I spoke on, I spoke about intimacy with God. See, that's, that, that's what God is after. God is after intimacy with us. And we are busy after in, impersonal, impersonal structures of the world. When we force, when we when we live, when we go after the things of the world, we're telling God, "Hey, I don't want you. I don't want a relationship with you." <laughs> you see, to love the world is to ignore God. You know, you you say, "Hi on Sunday." You say, "God, hi on Sunday mornings," and ignore Him the rest of the week. Now, not, not to judge you. When was the last time you spent some time reading the Holy Scriptures outside of a Sunday morning? When was the last time you had a devotional time with God that was more than five minutes? Or while you were rushing in the car? I, I mean, I have those days too. But if it becomes a pattern, that's dangerous. When Jesus was tempted, Jesus could not use some nice words to combat the devil. He knew where his power was. He knew where his authority was. 
Do you function in that same power? Do you function in that same? Do you have that relationship? Our pastor has been busy trying to build up the saints. Because the scripture tells us in the last days, people are going to stray from God because of their itching ears. They're hearing what they want to hear. That is worldliness. That's not my words. That's in, Tim in Timothy. Worldliness is a heart passion. So think. Some think if you, if you smash your TV or never go to the movie or you don't use the internet or or, or, or you'll be less worldly. Uh, some feel if women were to wear outfits that were below their needs or, or the men were not to wear tight-fitted clothes, <laughs> we'll be less worldly. Isn't it crazy how we think that those things dictate worldliness? I'm wearing a tattoo, so I'm worldly. I have a nose ring, so I'm worldly. <laughs> it's crazy what we think worldliness looks like oh man oh Jesus help us help us help us help us Lord <laughs> others believe that if everyone drove a used car and never borrowed money then I'll be less worldly if you were to get anything today, just remember that Paul is, uh, John is trying to tell us that these are not the things that dictate worldliness. All of these things are worthy of some discussion. And some might be evidence of that a believer loves the world. But, but they may indicate a heart given over to lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But you do not have to have these things to be worldly. I could wear a nice suit, drive a nice car, work for a non-profit organization that all we do is give away money. But yet I'm still worldly. I could volunteer for the church. And I'm here every minute the doors are open and still be worldly. But how can that be? There may be no external signs that indicate worldliness. But they can still be worldly if they have emotions, lusts, desires, imaginations, and passions towards the things of the world. If that's found in your heart, then you are worldly. No one may see it. Like I said, the kids will let you know when they're bored. The kids will let you know. They'll say, Mr. Asif, you're boring. I mean, yeah, they will tell you. But grown-ups don't. Today I'm calling us to check ourselves. Worldliness is a neglecting of the purpose, of your purpose. 
Verse 17 in our passage says, The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of the Father lives forever. Notice the phrase, does the will of the Father. Does the will of God. John is not talking about God's personal will for our lives, but his sovereign will for his planet. Understand, if you love God, you will love what he loves. The songwriter says, break my heart for what breaks yours. Open up mine eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Do you go after the things that God loves or not? Do you? See? There could be two reasons why why we're in a state of worldliness. One, plain old, we're not saved. Okay? Plain, simple. You're not, you're not born again. Is it that because you're living in a culture of Christians, you claim to be Christian when you're not? Don't have a personal intimate relationship with them. The other reason could be is that you are truly saved but your love for God has simply gone cold. You've tasted what it means to have a heart for God but your flames are fading. Revelation tells us just return to God. Return to God. Confess your failures and yield to the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit job. As I close, I heard this story about somebody invited I, somebody went to somebody else's house. And he went to the house. And when they went to the house, he said, in the house, he said, so Jew, Jew shows up at my house and she comes through my front door and, and I say, Jew, welcome. Mikasa, sukasa. Huh? Enjoy my house, Jew. And Jew walks through the living room. She walks through the bedroom. She walks through. She went to even the, the kitchen. And she went all over. She went to the family room. And then Jew went to a door. And she went up to the door. And she did like this. And it's locked. And then I said, Jew, every other room but that. Don't worry. That, that's my personal space. I think we've done that to God. God, I could live my life the way I want to. I could do whatever I want to do, God. But you know what? This space right here, this is mine. God, anything else, like Pastor preached some time ago, anything but the arm. 
or anything but the tongue. See, God, that, that won't cut it for God. So at, your, at home today, you know where you're at in light of the scriptures. Hey, you can't be what the people, some people say a worldly Christian. There is no, no such thing as a worldly Christian. You're either worldly or you're a Christian. Where are you today? I'm not the judge. Judge it in the light of scriptures. And if you know you're not where you're supposed to be today, I ask you to make a commitment today to get back on track. Or if you weren't even on track before, is to submit your life to Christ today as I pray.